0: in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
1: hey week 11 is in the books if there's one thing that stood out to me about the nfl this weekend seemed to be a whole lot of confrontation we had tennessee mixing it up with baltimore before the game we had sean payton and roddy white going at it on the internet and a whole other host of things happening. So I, I, I thought of Drew Hodgton, a guy who much like myself was kind of a fiery youngster at one point, but then grew and matured and grew wiser, maybe less temperamental, but uh, we've got a past. And I wanted to talk to Drew about that as well as a whole lot of other things. Plus I'm having hernia surgery tomorrow. So I'm a little bit distracted and Drew always makes me laugh. So I thought, what better time for myself and my beloved listeners to have a good laugh than right now before I have hernia surgery. You're, some of you who follow me on Instagram might have seen the video where I explained how I passed out when they were explaining the surgery to me. I get a little bit queasy about anything involving my innards, so let's talk and hang out with Drew Hodgson instead. Oh, and I started out asking him about his screen name on Zoom, Captain Coconuts. Captain Coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's the con kind of word. <laughs> Is that, do you use that for work?
2: No. I was I should have changed that.
1: <laughs> I'm here with Captain Coconuts. I'm uh yeah. I'm getting hernia surgery tomorrow, so I'm a little bit Oh distracted. shit. It's uh and they one of the things they warned me about was that I should wear compression shorts because my coconuts might swell up like like in Johnny, dangerously.
2: Did they like make clear like you have normally excessively large balls? So they're, they're like, like yeah, look, we know that, that your we know that worried. your compression
1: shorts are already stretched <laughs> yeah.
2: to their limits. So maybe we're <laughs> exactly. two. Yeah. Like we we noticed something during the pre surgery exam. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to wear some better shorts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's
1: weird. This is a. I I passed out when they were explaining the surgery to me a couple months ago or a month or so ago and I don't know I, I still do this they, they they didn't think there was anything wrong with it so it was like complete just it was fight or flight response that I had right. like I, he was showing me did you ever know did you even know that they're like little muscles this makes total sense and I feel like an idiot for not knowing it there are little muscles that pull your balls up when your balls retract I always thought it was just like the scrotum shrinking that pushed your balls up but there's there's tiny little muscles that yeah. yank them back to safety, like a, yeah. like a mother pulling her child Dude, back to away from the train
2: track. Have you never have you never heard from any of like your teammates or like center buddies? Like what happens when you play center? Do you get hernias a lot? You don't get hernias, but you get elevated testicle syndrome. Shut up. I'm dead. I'm being completely serious. What happens? It started happening my sophomore year of college and I would like get into practice and and then it became like right before the snap every time my balls would like shoot up (laughs) into my stomach
0: and I would stop and I was like,
2: shut up. What the (laughs) fuck is going on? And I went over (laughs) to the team doctor and I was like, dude, I'm having like something weird is happening. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, my balls are like, and now it's like they're mostly kind of in there like all the time. All the time? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Like they don't they're not that? like hanging down like normal. And I like went to the I remember I went to months and was like, dude, is this like a thing? And he's like, dude, it is very common.
1: Very so common. What does, like, it, uh, does
2: it does uh, it disrupt your p- sperm production?
1: Uh it can. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever have yeah. you ever bothered to get that check or do you just uh, do you
2: just assume it's natural birth control and raw dog it? Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's both that, but I also am like, I'm just such an alpha male that it offsets whatever like the normal percentage is that I would. I just <laughs> yeah. I'm so virile that it's like, it's probably good for the best. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you didn't want to punch a hole through a poor lady <laughs> with a <laughs> for this. How, so that's common with centers? Yeah, that's what they told me. They were like, in which I haven't actually like talked to like my buddy who ended up playing. Oh, you probably... I guess you wouldn't have played against them, yeah. Um, Mike Pollock, but he played guard uh, for Indianapolis for yeah, I remember
1: them Yeah, him. like seven,
2: eight years. He was the center after me at ASU, and he had the same problem. God,
1: I wish I would have known that. Like yeah. when I when I was facing centers, like which ones I could have played on their insecurities about their. Their tiny testicles.
2: Yeah, he totally would have been like, dude, I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but like, it looks weird from here. <laughs> it just <laughs> looks weird. <Yeah. laughs> Bro, do you even? I
1: was talking to somebody about jock straps the other day. And that uh, I don't think anybody wears jock straps anymore, do
2: they? Dude, that is one of the best. Like, there are two persistent myths, I think, for people that never played football that are just like, don't seem to go at right. one. Is that we all did ballet to get good at football oh because that, that was a
1: Lynn swan thing like yeah, so it, that, because Lynn like, swan did it like twice in some off season back in the day yeah people assumed and then every now and then there'd be some college offensive line that whose coach would have him do it so okay, it's like
2: so, one out of three people they're like oh you play football they're like, did you do ballet like yeah. always that's like one of the, and then the other one is like is wearing a jockstrap weird and i'm like i did never fucking wore one i don't know i think i, I did and i was an old man hair. because
1: of it like people thought I was, I could tell that was when I was. like, you Tom, wear Brady's, one? Tom Brady's probably the only person that still might wear one. You wore one? I did. I did the whole time I played. And you know, it was dumb. I wore a jock strap because at Cornell, they just handed them out. And I was like, okay, I guess we wear jock straps. We had Why? like polyester shorts, like not the good polyester, like polyester yes. that would chafe your inner thighs. <laughs> great right. I'm squatting, I'm getting huge and bloody. Like I started menstruating my freshman year in college.
2: Yeah, you're, I, you're bleeding for your I squatted your 600 and menstruated on the same day. Like Seth, your, your grundle is bleeding. I don't know if you know that. It's, I've never seen that before. It happens. It's completely yeah, normal. I
1: wore and, uh, and guys started teasing me about it and I didn't think anything of it. I was like By that point, you I was like, No, 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 no. That's a See, that's another misconception is that football players wear cups.
2: And I don't think anybody So why did does. you, do you, is it literally so it's like holding just your junk? Just to keep your balls safe. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think back in the day, if you look at, think about the guys in the
1: 70s when they would wear those short shorts. Like. uh think about it all the time. So, <laughs> I, I mean, think honestly, about it all the time. honestly, think about what you've seen in the locker room and then think about <laughs> yes. how well so those true. short shorts might've contained
2: some of those physical anomalies. That, <laughs> That's how I always looked at it. I was always like, look. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I'm working with that kind of gear. That is just not. I don't. We don't have these problems. There's a constant so, ego check like,
1: being in an NFL locker room. Ex- exactly. I was <laughs> like, dude,
2: I, we don't have these problems.
1: Like, I don't. Know, a, my girlfriend would think that's gross. I'm sure. That's yeah, not even, totally. I yeah. so like, I'm I re- glad I don't have that.
2: She, yeah. We're, she, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? A, so much extra work. Like, Yeah. Fine. Like every girl I've dated, where they're like, "Oh, wow!" Like, no, you're like, you're doing, and I'm like, Let, "Let's not." <laughs> but don't bullshit me, it's fine.
1: Did Damn you did you happen to see, you saw Anthony Weaver uh, like angrily defending his guys? And, and I, I, I guess what I didn't tell you about, you know, well, let's play this right now. Yeah, we gotta not give up 60 yard runs at the end of the game, Eric. This narrative that's being painted like my guys are on discipline and running around blocks, quite frankly, and if you put it bluntly, is bullshit. My guys play hard. They battle, they're doing the absolute best they can, and they leave their their everything they have on that football field to go out there and stone the run. We lost the game 10-0. Yeah, you could say it's been 17-0. All right, but we expect to go out there and stop the run every time we do it. But to sit here and paint this narrative, I, there, was a, there was a question I asked to Romeo the other day about uh, the accountability of the defense. Are they accountable? Hell yeah, they're accountable. Anybody that's worked for me, anything I've done in my entire life has been accountable. And if that's ever questioned, then I'll resign. Okay, but these guys battle they fight they're doing everything they can to go out there and stop the run and we're going to try to do it again this weekend so this is the interesting thing about this Drew and uh in Houston we talked about this but I wanted to get your perspective on it Weaver and Romeo Cornell at various times have talked about gap discipline (laughs) and uh and like all of a sudden out of nowhere he starts like angrily defending his guys and I what I thought was okay this is some kind of This is his strategy for the week because these guys are embattled and they did like they've been they were playing. I don't want to I don't want to say soft because I don't think there are a bunch of soft guys on that defense, but they were not necessarily playing with great gap discipline. And I think that Weaver was at that point where he said, all right, it's just all or nothing at this point. Our backs are against the wall and we're just going to go into this bunker mentality. And and this is a really interesting thing. Back in the day, a coach might try to send a message through the traditional media. I think Weaver understands, and I haven't uh, texted or called Weaver about this because three days before he put that video out, I did a video on um, I did a video on television about how the Texans lacked cat discipline. <laughs> so I'm watching that video and I'm like, uh. <laughs> like,
2: like, am I being spotlighted? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but but like I said, Romeo and Weaver themselves have talked about this before, and. And I think that he was just kind of sending a message to his guys because that went somewhat viral on social media, at least amongst guys, you know, that, you know, that guy's friends sent that to him and everything. And after the game, Jordan Reed actually said that, you know, yeah, Weaver's a guy that's got our back and everything. And uh, what do you think of that
2: strategy? I mean, I think it makes sense. I also think like the, the insight that guys like not as much you, because you actually had the benefit of being on teams that weren't horrendous. But the majority of my career, I was only on bad teams. So Mm -hmm. I really bring that kind of insight and experience to a conversation like this. Yeah, that's like, like, no, actually,
1: there is something to be said for that. Like when Kubiak came in in the first year that Kubiak was coaching, I was like, Coach, you got to settle down. You've been on good teams too long. You could see his brain was frying. Because he hadn't dealt with this. He'd been right. with San Francisco and then Denver. They never yeah. have back-to-back losing seasons or anything. But so I, yeah. so I know where you're coming from. I know you're joking a little bit, but there is something about that. No, of- there is.
2: There, there's something to be said for it, which is why I think you guys, you know, I don't want to – I'm not going to act like every free agent that came on the team that was Ed Reed that came in and then struggled immediately. But it's like there's something to be said when you've never been – on a bad team, or even Deshaun Watson, who's probably only ever really won at a really high level, and then he's having to experience just a brutal, long season with just back-to-back losses, and I know they won this past weekend, but it's like you're really throwing anything at the wall at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Anything you can to elicit a response, you probably don't really give too much you know, of an S about like what the media is saying when you're, you're trying to make sure your guys are either motivated, it's like, no kidding, they don't have good d- discipline. Yeah, we're three and seven. <laughs> of course, they don't have good gap discipline. Like That's Bad what teams so cool. do bad, bad things. That was I, what I, was so cool about it was, like, none of it made any sense, except that, you know
1: what, this is because I did the same thing once when we went two and 14, I walked into a defensive backs meeting room. And, you know, one of the guys in there was taking a lot of heat because he basically Dove away from a tackle instead of making a tackle on the goal line, and I basically acted like all those punks out there don't know what the hell anybody's talking about. We're all together. We're all in this together, you know. And it didn't work. We still sucked afterwards. But right. (laughs) But in this instance, you're right. You get to that. You get to week ten or eleven, and you only had a couple of wins. You start running out of pep talks, like you. So you just like you said, you're run. You're you're throwing anything you can up against the wall. I liked it, and they did. They came out and they played their asses off. That's that's why I thought of that's why I thought of Weaver and you because you and I were buddies, obviously, when uh when we were playing, you were an offensive lineman, I was a defensive lineman. But the year that weaver came in, weaver came from Baltimore, where in yeah. Baltimore that was still an old school team where there were fights in practice like quite a bit, and the defensive line's whole rule was Hey, if one defensive lineman gets in a fight, we're all going in. And they had right. Kelly Gregg, Kelly Gregg, who is a, a nose tackle, who'd been a national champion wrestler in college and
2: was into MMA in the offseason. So oh, they go played, off. I played against a practiced against him when I went to Baltimore. Oh, yeah. So you know, yeah, like yeah. he's
1: he's no joke, no. he's the real
2: deal. Yeah.
1: So when weaver got here, his whole thing was, Hey, if anybody gets in a fight, we all jump in. And I remember you and you and Travis Johnson got into a fight in practice one day. And I and I ran in and uh <laughs> I still feel bad about this. <laughs> you I remember this. You I don't remember. I grabbed you or
2: something and you turned and looked at me like I was like yeah. I was brutus. <laughs> like yeah. 100%. I, just stabbed you I looked in the back. at you like I look I looked at you like I was Ned Stark and I was just betrayed. <laughs> I was absolutely stunned because I felt like there was one guy on the defensive line that I could trust. He was just gonna, you know, be led by their emotions around by the nose. That was just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I cannot rules, believe buddy. you betrayed new me rules. in this way.
1: Yeah, I was stunning. I was stunned. I was it's it's funny, funny though. The different. That's different from like team culture to team culture. Because when I was in Jacksonville, we fought a lot. Yeah. And like I would say, I probably got into, I probably averaged like 1.5 fights per year in practice when I was in Jacksonville. That's My rookie bad. year, I got in a few. And then I might not have gone a year, and then I got in a couple fights with. A lot of times it was rookies, you'd fight rookies because they were not going too hard, but going too stupid, you know, like off balance (laughs) and holding you after you beat them, you know, just stupid stuff that gets people hurt. And, um, but then we got to Houston and and Capers was really against it. So we just, we kind of, we'd lost it in the culture. And then Weaver brought it back. So when, when I saw that firing, a lot of people, a lot of people in Houston don't really think of Anthony Weaver as being as fiery a guy as he is, but he can, he can really turn it on and off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was always actually shocked when I got to Houston and it wasn't more that way. I expected it to be more because I, that was sort of my, my personal brand at least when I was, and that was our identity when I was in college and then I yeah. got there and I would start fights and people would do that thing where they would look at me like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and I was just like oh we Oh, I see.
1: I wonder okay. if that's. Uh, uh, I wonder if that was like one of the problems from the very start of the franchise, maybe that's why there's too many goody two shoes there and the, that's like, a I constant. Feel like it was
2: just because there's you know. As professional as it is in the NFL it's kind of like I feel like you still have to go through that stretch where where you're still a little grimy and gritty and rough around the edges, and then yeah. you've earned your stripes, and then you can be, you know, it becomes part of the culture there, and you know when push comes to shove, you can dig in there and you can behave that way. Yeah. But, the, but I don't know if the Texans ever went through that that trial by fire where they got it and then moved on to being more professional and regimented.
1: It was all, and- you know, from the very beginning – The thing that I always hated was that the quarterbacks were under strict instructions not to not to tease or haze whatsoever David Carr, you know, like even friendly stuff that quarterbacks do some of the veterans like Tony Banks and those guys in that room. And I don't know, man, there was always this culture of some of those young guys, we started six guys on offense, the rookie years in that first season. Yeah. And I, it, there was almost just a little bit of, it's what they say about UT, like a sense of entitlement also, almost like up. some of the recruits feel like they're hotter crap than they already are. And it, yeah. yeah. They, well, they,
2: treat, they treated his, they, I feel like they always treated his personality like it was made of glass. You know, yeah, his, ego, which... his ego could not, and if there's one thing I've learned, you know, just even from being there and then watching afterwards, even just as like a general spectator is, the ones that do well are the ones who just have ice water running in their veins yeah like it's not their arm strength it's just the fact that they are not going to be you know they're not going to panic at all and under any situation And that was not really his experience
1: yeah they're they're psychotically self-confident like in whatever insecurities they have they they cover it up by being psychotically self-confident. It's that like weird mixture of whatever insecurity really makes them like drives them and makes them super competitive. They balance it out with like an incredible confidence. And yeah, yeah, the really good quarterbacks are like that. Yeah. Being being on a good
2: team is being part of a cult.
1: Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. That's why I don't mind. Like sometimes these, these cultish college guys like Dabo Swinney. Yeah. Go for it. I don't be a cult culturally <laughs> effective at doing what you you can get, they convince people to castrate themselves and, and that they're gonna hop on a comet after they commit suicide that's an yeah. incredible thing to convince somebody of you think if you can convince people of that convincing them to win a football game is
2: no big deal at all yeah totally go for it like see go all the way maybe they won't did you uh when you were at Arizona State because you were there with Terrell Suggs it seems like Terrell Suggs
1: would be a big fighter
2: um he really wasn't he was actually more of like a diva prima donna and he would be shocked if anyone tried to fight him so naturally oh, yeah. i would try to fight him constantly so Yeah, that really. was like that's <laughs> how that worked i always felt like it was my obligation there weren't <laughs> too many opportunities because i was at center yeah you know? but if i ever caught him on like a te or something it was like lights out did he yeah, uh 100%. wait didn't you guys room together yeah oh yeah yeah when, like your freshman year or later on freshman year yeah, he he was um, he was not a real human being. I mean, it was it was he was one of those kinds of personalities where I remember like he he knocked on my door our first year, and everyone, there was a lot of buzz about him because he really came in as like a running back. He was one of those guys where oh, wow. he was this like 230 hundred thirty pound, like all American running back in Arizona, and they thought, okay, this guy at defensive end is going to absolutely light people up, and. He came in and he just had a huge chip on his shoulder and he knocked on my door after like two days, it was like 10 p.m. He was like, hey man, are you up? And I was like, no, I mean, I was trying to sleep, but yeah, what's going on? he's like, and I was just thinking about this, like people say Rocky is Italian, but he's white. <laughs> and I was like, this is just gonna be the worst roommate situation cover yeah. i can tell this is how this is gonna go did you, did you like, sit down yeah. and explain to them the the vagaries that, that's no, of... the, yeah there's, <laughs> there's a difference between like ethnicity and nationality or what and i was like I, I don't even you know and i know a week from now when you ask me about how gorillas have disposable thumbs that i should not be surprised <laughs> oh, disposable uh, thumbs yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it was crazy because he was just like a prodigy. He understood a, a playbook better than anyone else on the team. The, really, he looked at it like I think prodigies look at sheets of music. It, yeah, he just understood it immediately. I mean, he really did. It it wasn't just that he had phenomenal get off and pass rush moves or instincts. I mean, he understood the defense. So That's it was it was incredible right out of the gate. I mean, he was just lighting people up. What was the other thing I thought about you for? Oh. Tennessee
1: and Baltimore going at it before the game, since today's theme is kind of fighting and confrontations. And then mm -hmm. after the game, John Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel, John Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel kind of had a half handshake. They both said afterwards that it was no big deal. I put myself in John Harbaugh's shoes and I was, I I felt genuine empathy for the frustration that it feels like after you have a big confrontation like that and all you want to do is beat somebody into the dirt. And then you lose, and then you have to try to be sportsman like afterwards. So I thought of you, I thought of you with that though, because I was wondering if you had ever gotten in that situation where you get in a fight in a game or in practice or something, and you get so angry that you just can't function, and it gets worse and worse because you're so angry.
2: Oh, yeah. I used to, because I felt like I went through this stretch in college where I felt like I was so, uh, dialed in because of this like rage that I was like tapping into that. I felt like I had to be irate all the time to really be like at my peak potential. And then you realize after a while, when you're playing legitimate athletes, that that's not, that's just not sustainable, you know, after a while, cause they're too good. That's something, yeah, so. that, that's something that I actually
1: thought of with Bill O'Brien. Cause I used to, I used to be a much angrier person than I am now. And there is a part of you that feels like, it's some special skill, or some asset that you have. Yeah. And it's, it's really damaging. Because what ends up happening is it does, it's almost like a drug, or any other kind of crutch where it'll get you through situations. And you think because you get through the situation that it must have been good for you. When in fact, it like leaves a trail of devastation the same way like cocaine or alcohol or anything else, anything else you would do to try to get through a situation and o'brien i think is like that i, man, I agree I yeah, yeah he just i think he probably think he thinks he wins arguments he probably thinks that you know he's he gets people to to see
2: things his way when really just steamrolls them it's good i mean you know when you're playing it's if you have that kind of compartmentalization and you can turn it on at the right time i mean it gives you that like shot of adrenaline. But there are too many, especially when you're like at a more cerebral position, like offensive line, or if you're like a defensive specialist that actually reads the plays and knows what's going on, you can't just be out of control like that. Yeah, yeah. uh, I remember when we were playing, uh, when you and I were playing together and we were playing the Dolphins and it was, I don't know if you remember when uh, whoever was playing, I think it was Todd Wade got injured and our left tackle came in and it was like Brad Bedell or someone from Green Bay. And Jason Taylor was still playing it like, a relatively high level. Like, he was still doing it. And you just knew the moment that happened that it was about to go from bad to way worse. Yeah. And the very next play was a sack fumble, maybe also a touchdown. They, like, picked it up and ran it back to, like, the 10-yard line or whatever. And I remember I decided to take that opportunity to try to just obliterate Zach Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not in a clean way, really at all. Like the play was basically over, and I was like, "I am just gonna light this guy up, like whatever." And I got him like pretty clean, and he <laughs> he gets up and he turns around and he just very calmly walked up to me and he was like, "How long you been playing?" And I was like, "It's my rookie year." And he goes, "Yeah, I can tell." Yeah. And I was like, "That hurts, mom." <laughs> hey,
1: you're
2: you're not you're not you're not mad. You're disappointed. Yeah. You know, I was like, "Oh man,
1: that's all right." Man, I'm glad you told me that story because um oh the center for the Andre Gerard Andre Garad, is that how you pronounce it? The center for the Cowboys, Dallas, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Andre Garad. I, I hope I'm not pronouncing. I always say name.
2: Gerard, but I don't know if that's right.
1: Yeah, he his rookie year, his first game was the Texans' first game ever versus the Cowboys. Man, I had forgotten about this. He's I'm good. You brought that up. Okay, so so he's playing center and he's a big guy. Like I thought he should have been a guard or a tackle or I guess a guard because he was just too big to be a center. And yeah. I was kind of working him over. I was having a really good game and you know, he's a center of rookie first game ever. So he was out of his league in that moment. <laughs> and and I kept telling him, I was just f- messing with his brain a little bit. I was like, dude, you got, you got a chance, but you're too big. They got a move you to guard. They got to move you to guard. This is just that, this is not the position for you. Just you're, you're good, buddy. You'll be all right. But man, this yeah. just, they're, they're fucking you right now by having you play center. And, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. He goes on develops into a really good player, you know, and, and <laughs> five years later, last game I ever played at the start of the snap. The, the, the start of the game, like, after our first snap, he said something like, hey, hey, Seth, am I still too big? Am I still too big? And he wasn't He wasn't saying it like, you know, like, I'm going to kick your ass, old man, or anything. But he was just kind of saying, he was reminding me. And I was like, yeah, I remember. I was like, man, you did all right. You proved me wrong. And then, like, three plays later, he's trying to reach me on a, a stretch zone, and I plant my foot in the turf, tear my ACL, and I'm done. <laughs> so... I gotta call him up about that.
2: I should have him on I forgot uh, that was that game, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually felt bad about as I was reflecting on it, as I was getting carted into the locker room. I actually felt bad for having said that when he was a rookie like without, I should have said something to him after the game about saying like, Hey, I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> you know, like you're going to be all right. And I think I did say something kind of like that in the game, but I probably should have really like sought him out on the field afterwards. And probably, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did all right. Maybe it was what spurred him on. Maybe I should take credit for all of his Pro Bowls.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, actually, the best way to spin that is that he owes all of his success to you.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, oh, you know what, you know who did that since we were talking about Justin Reed earlier?
2: Are you about to just show me a list of people that owe all their accolades to you? These are yeah, these are these are people I've insulted along the yeah, way that use. You that brought to this up. On. All of these people owe their success to me.
1: That's gonna do I'm gonna be doing a um a parenting seminar where it's all about belittling your children to instill a sense of desperation in
2: them. I think that's good. I mean it it definitely wreaks havoc after they're 30, but before then at least they make it big. <laughs> okay, so two weeks ago versus the Browns,
1: Justin Reed had a rough snap where he just had poor leverage on a tackle that Nick Chubb ended up scoring on. So Justin Reed, a, a safety. And and Rivers McCown is a blogger who writes about the Texans. He tweeted out a video of it and said, Justin Reed, box player, huh? Sorry about your fantasy teams. Uh, sorry about your fantasy teams because Nick Chubb stepped out of bounds right before the touchdown, just to, right. to seal the game right then. Justin Reed quote tweeted him and said, STFU, shut the fuck up, asinine punk, <laughs> called Rivers an account and an asinine punk. <laughs> so, so Rivers, who after that changed his screen name to asinine punk, uh, he, he responded to Justin Reed and said, use it and prove me wrong. Hope you do. And Rivers is a Texans fan. You know, he's like, he's a fan blogger. He's a really, really good writer. Um, but anyways, Justin Reed during this last week, Anthony Weaver has his kind of blow up in the press conference. The players are all kind of mum for the most part. Justin Reed goes out and has a really good game as the first sack in his NFL career, um, made some really physical plays. And then immediately after the game tweets out, quote tweets, Rivers McCown and says, I appreciate you. I took the criticism to heart and had something to prove today. Salute. Which is a pretty cool, like not, passive aggressive or ironic or anything at all there like he i'm i'm impressed that he was mature enough about it there's part of me
2: that kind of wishes that he weren't a, that affected by by a fan blogger absolutely yeah, yeah. that's kind of like uh in uh the the arc there was interesting the resolution came out okay but you're sort of like we shouldn't have been there to begin with yeah <laughs> like you shouldn't have been you shouldn't have been up in your mentions. You know? No, that's a whole different dynamic too of the game that like hadn't really emerged at all when I was playing. Like where people even engage. Like that's right, not-
1: right, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Because two thousand five, two thousand six, there was no. I think Facebook was just getting started right about then, and every now and then, like you might. I think MySpace. I think some people. Nobody like nobody in the league had a MySpace unless they were guys that were into. Mm-hmm party promotions and stuff you had a few guys that were like either you know want to be djs or whatever they might have a myspace page but it was nothing like that to the point now where roddy white talked smack about the falcons versus the saints before the game or tweeted something about it then sean payton retweeted it after the game like, well the, the difference the, the
2: incentive structure it. now is so different like you're yeah. incentivized in a lot of ways to engage like that yeah i mean like, like monetarily I mean, monetarily, or even just to promote whatever you might perceive to be, like your own brand or yeah. something. It's like, there's a weird, it's a different animal. I mean, whereas like in the past, it kind of felt like you were only, if unless you were one of the most premier players who could get away with that. You were not.
1: you were representing the team and the team alone, right? Yeah, totally. that, that's where I like As a player, I always, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't wanna, I didn't, because a few times I said things in the media that were even just taken out of context to the point where I just, I started being really boring and bland in the media because I didn't like it when, see, like whenever I said anything colorful, somebody would take it out of context somewhere right and say it was bulletin board material. So I just stopped where you're right. it It's a little bit more like the WWE now. There's like a promotional aspect to it. And I think, and I think even just a lot of the coaches, Peyton's older than you and I, obviously, but a lot of the coaches are, I think they're more cool with it because they understand that they have to be because their players are in that generation
2: and they've just had to, they've had to adapt. Yeah. Especially like, I think you see it where it crops up at the college level and then they just can't, you can't once, once that's taken root, you're not getting rid of that. Yeah. It's like they've grown up with it their whole lives. Like it's not going away. Yeah. All right, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go get my,
1: my balls chopped apart. Apparently tomorrow. That's not what's happening. Literally anybody that's getting hernia surgery is not that big a deal. What do we call you? You have elevated testicles? Yeah, I got elevated
2: balls. Okay. Yeah. Can they Ask relax me. that with like Botox or something? Um. What? <laughs> did, you just, think- did you just like pick a random <laughs> quick think <laughs> of something? No, like Botox? no, because that's what
1: they'll do. That's how Botox work. It, it, it like paralyzes. I think it paralyzes the muscles in your face. And that's what relaxes the wrinkles. I think that's why, that's why women with a lot of Botox can't make facial expressions and everything. Oh, that's
2: interesting. Like so, you mean the... if they literally went like subcutaneous and give yeah. you injections and just inject your little muscles there, little I do I guess muscles. I haven't, uh, I mean, so, so. yeah, there's an element, uh, you know, it's like, the, like, like if I'm really married to like the aesthetics of it, I'm like, man, I really want like some deep low hanging balls I feel like <laughs> funny, later man. in life. When you're like, seventy, they're
1: gonna be so normal looking. You're the balls of a forty-five year old. <laughs> women look at the these balls. At this, the old folks Move as eggs. talk about you. His balls were above his gland's penis look still. At these guys. Still killing it. Dude,
2: how uh how long are you gonna be out of commission?
1: Uh I'm going back to work on Wednesday. I'm gonna broadcast from home.
2: Yeah, I guess
1: that makes sense. Yeah, well, you know, I, I asked Twitter, and a few of our a few of my followers were teachers said that they went back the next day, and they just sat the whole time they taught while sitting. And I felt like that's the same as me talking on the radio for four hours. Yeah, so that I don't, right. I don't get harassed by any adolescents. So but isn't it like-,
2: like when you genuflect, it can like you feel something, right? I mean, that's like the so if you're talking,
1: and yeah, you get animated,
2: yeah. Yeah. I think that you can... I don't know. When I, I genu- you can... Oh,
1: you, like when I inflect? Like when I... Yeah. Genuflect yeah, like is just... like... Isn't, isn't Genuflect like bowing down in abeyance to somebody?
2: Oh, I thought it was just like an overly animated... That's like... a gesticulation. You're right. Yeah. Genuflect.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I was trying to... What did I say? I don't Genuflect.
2: I don't Genuflect to nobody know how. That's how but, I operate. Uh... Seth, I think we've learned that I don't talk to people that know bigger words than me very often. So
1: <laughs> you just roll through it. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if you would just
2: uh, let that go.
1: All right, Mr. Coconuts. Um, next week, next week we'll actually talk like super, super serious football. Like we'll we'll get down to business. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll we'll have nothing but boring and bland stuff to say
2: for a good seventy-eight minutes. Oh, that's I would love that. Yeah, I would like to get really get into the weeds on it.